into the image of the one who bought and paid for my life at Calvary 2,000 years ago. So Father, have your way. And I pray every heart and every mind would say with all authenticity today, Amen. Build us, Father, in your name. Now, if you are with us for the first time today or visiting or thinking about making this your community, that prayer is the journey we're on as a community. It's not to come to church. I don't know where we got that statement from. Our own minds. Because when you fully realize you are the church, that language changes. And the reality that you are the church fully hits you like a brick. You can never say those words because it's like saying my top is red when I know it's black. And this is the depth of the truth revealed within us which sets us free. Not just that, but God, God um, Tuesday morning, I'm having these encounters with him which are truly phenomenal, which is where I'm <clears throat> asleep but waking up, but I'm still asleep. <clears throat> Excuse me. And my eyes are closed and I'm lying in bed, but he starts to speak. And it's clear. And it's not even hard. I'm not asking. He's just speaking. And he said these words. He said, Greg, he said, you know, son, the truth will make you free. But the truth will also repel you. He said, and of course, I automatically go to John 8. The truth, the NIV says, the truth will set you free. The NASB says, the truth will make you free. If you continue in my word. You see, the truth will set you free in an event. But the truth will make you free if you continue in his word. So you can be set free from a place called eternity, but never made free. Never made ready. Because he's into building his church and growing his church. He wants to make us disciples of himself, yes, into his image. So being set free is an event. Set free the day that I committed my life to Christ from ABC. And some of those things you can be set free from, phenomenal. You can be set from addictions. You can be set free from fear. You can be set free from a number of things. And then he wants to make us free. Anybody perfectly living in freedom here? But you can. Do you believe it's fully possible to be free and actually walk in the same manner that Jesus Christ walked his life from? Do you believe that? Because if you don't believe it, you never will move towards a reality because unbelief will always hold you back. That's why God is not the God of unbelief. God is the God of belief. But not just I believe the earth is round. A belief, a conviction that moves you to seek a reality that has been bought and paid for 2,000 years ago. That you're then able to experience a realm deep within your innermost being that then is able to be demonstrated through you. But that very same reality can repel you. See, the same, same reality of the truth can repel you from truth. And you might not even realize you're being repelled by God. You might just think you're being repelled by man or something else. But actually what you're doing is you're actually walking away because the truth is actually repelling you because of a number of reasons. One could be fear. It's so phenomenally outside your realm to understand it that you're in fear. And so that fear repels you away from the thing that is for you. That's scary, isn't it? Do you believe that's possible? That you and I can be repelled from God because of the enormity of God and because of our lack of understanding of who God actually is? Yes? You see, when they saw Jesus walking, they thought he was a ghost. And they were in fear. Why? Because the gap between them and Christ was wide. Same with us. That's why knowing him is the ultimate key to a transformed life. Not knowing about him, but knowing him to such a measure that your whole world is turned on its head and you're able, like Paul, to utter words like, 
my life compared to knowing him was just absolute garbage. Because I've tasted, I know him to such a degree, and that is within me, that I can't contain myself. But that very thing, guys, has the power to repel you. You see, you have to have the negative and the positive for there to be power, don't you? Think of a car battery. You have to have the negative and the positive for there to be power. If you try and jumpstart someone and you get the leads around the wrong way, what happens? Well, the same thing can happen. You don't know him for who he truly is and you have an issue and when he turns up, you can actually be repelled away. He's standing there, where are you going? This reality is for you. This realm is a realm of the spirit. It's not of the physical. So if you're trying to understand God through the physical, guess what? There's a good chance you will be repelled from the things of the spirit because they're too big. They're too massive. They appear unattainable, unachievable. I can't do that. Guess right. Well done. None of us can. And I've said this before, the greatest day you can arrive at in your life is when you realize you can't change you and you can't change anybody else and you need him and his power for transformation. That is the day, that is the greatest day because then humility has started, true biblical humility has started. Instead of running around trying to keep everything under control, trying to fix everything, trying to balance it all out, make it all nice and boxy so you live comfortably. Jesus never, ever, ever said in my Bible that I can read, come follow me and your life will be comfortable. <laughs> That'd be a good Bible, wouldn't it? We're writing them these days. In the last days, man will create their own gospel and man will follow that because it'll tickle their ears. Come follow Jesus and he'll bless your cotton socks. Does God bless? Absolutely. Those who are obedient, following him wholeheartedly, surrendered and abandoned to him absolutely he will bless but when you start with that as the preface of your message and now you try and win everybody to a blessed message and jesus christ says guess what now you need to die that's going to repel everyone that signed up for the blessing isn't it so how ready are we are we being made ready through the truth? Because the truth will make you free. If you truly are surrendered and submitted to the truth, Greg, the truth will birth so much life within you, it'll be a river of life coming out of you, and you won't be able to contain the reality. It's of an abundant measure because he said, you'll know those who love me because they'll be proving by the fruit that is in abundance. And I know he's not talking about financial blessing because he defines what the fruit is. And it has nothing to do with that stuff, but everything to do with it's a fruit of the spirit, which we talked about last week. And I want to continue to talk about what being ready and why being ready is so important. Another word for being made ready is mature. It's a word that's got lost in the church. We just sang the song. Praise will be ever for on my lips because you're looking for your bride. Does God want to marry a child? Hear what I'm saying? We are all children of God, aren't we? Right, we established that. And as children of God, we are to be growing up. Correct? No different to the physical. How many people are how many parents here? How many people want your parent, your children to grow up and mature? Do you still want your five-year-old being five when she's 20? No. Neither do me, bro. Is there a problem if she is? going to be a bit of a chaotic life if she's five years old mature and she's now 25 or he is five and but he's, he's 25 but he's really five one as a loving parent you're not going to bestow upon that 25 year old child a blessing are you or the riches or the inheritance of the family why because they would squander them and they would actually kill themselves and not know how to handle them so that's not love and yet god wants and can completely over communicates to us 
a bride that has been made ready, that has been preparing herself and is able and fully capable to be the demonstration of his life. And this is the truth of who the church has called to become as a people. So firstly, as a body, and then as individuals, because individuals make up a body, don't they? But God always sees through the lens of a body. He says, hey, body, how ready are you? Are you able to be the demonstration of my life upon this earth? And I'm covering you, and I've given you X amount of time that he knows that we don't know between the day we were born and the day we would die to have that outcome outworked. And it is an honor and a privilege to have signed up our lives to that. Amen? The fact that you and I can know of a love that never holds anything, any wrongs. You found that, ladies, in your husband? You found that, husbands, in your wives? Do you find it in your children? Does a child find it in their adult? No. Not. That is a love that is outside of the realm of the physical, but fully knowable in a spiritual context. And you and I have been given the privilege, the honor to know it. Think of everyone that hasn't yet turned, that hasn't yet been invited to partake of this incredible, dynamic, all-powerful Love that is all consuming, that is all abundance, that consumes you and wraps you and says, you know what? Now, now everything is done away with. Now everything has been done. Now live from this realm. No more fear because perfect love casts it out. No more insecurity. No more division in the church. No more fighting one another. No more fighting for position. No more trying to get you up the ladder of success. Because you're still living from you. No, you've experienced a love that completely repositions you, realigns you, and makes you ready to be able to be then the demonstration of the very thing he was. That is who you and I have been called to become when he says, my bride will make herself ready. The question is, do we want to go on the journey to become the very thing that was bought and paid for with his life? Because it, and I'm going to say it again, and you will continue me here and say it again until it hits home. It is fully, 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 fully possible, 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 no matter what circumstance or situation you may be facing today, it is fully possible to know him in a degree to this measure and a realignment that everything that comes out of this mouth is praise. Thank you, Father, for the reality. Now, if you didn't get my point, my point was this. (laughs) Being ready or being made ready, means being able to be the demonstration of truth. And this starts at love being perfected in us. I'll read it again, eh? Taking notes. Being ready, or being made ready. Because it's a process. So you're being made, you're being ready and being made ready. You're coming to ready. Jesus said, I've made myself known and I'm making myself known. Okay? Wait. Known, making known. Ready, being made ready. Being ready or being made ready means being able to be the demonstration of truth. His life, he was truth. And this starts at love being perfected in us. Tell me to 1 John 2, 3 and 6. 1 John 2, 3 and 6. Being ready or being made ready, means being able to be the demonstration of truth. And this starts at love being perfected in us. I'm going to ask some questions today. 
I'm probably going to use the most scripture I've ever used in one message to make my point. Because, you know, you take one passage and you read it and you go, yeah, it's pretty cool. But then when you put a whole lot of the same point together and you see it, it's like like your eyes get open to a reality that was sitting right in front of you, but you never see it. So 1 John 2, 3, 6 says this, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him or her, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself, herself, to walk in the same manner as he walked. Can't get more clearer than that, can it? So, if you say you know him, then you will keep his commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love one another as I have loved you. So if you know him to this measure, you will keep them. They will be a, an anchor. They will be something that's in you operating. Okay. And does not keep the marmots, then he's not necessarily in the fullness of this truth. It's pretty strong here. The Bible calls you a liar. Pretty full on, isn't it? Okay. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. So if you're keeping God's word, his love is going to be perfected in you. See, we've got to face the reality that sits in front of us. And this is why I said this reality can repel us. Because the, the power of it, the truth will set you free. But like Jack Nicholson said, you can't handle the truth. And that man should have written a bit of the Bible because that is such a truth from heaven written down here. It should be, truth will make you free. P.S. Jack Nicholson says, you can't handle the truth. But the truth has come to set us free. This is how powerful a living word, not any word, a living word is that hits your spirit. Because what he's saying is, he's saying, by this we know that we have come to know him. If you know him, the outcome, not the goal, the outcome, the goal is to know him. The outcome will be the keeping of loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength. Love one another as I love you. That is not the goal. Please hear me. Do not go on a journey after today. I've got to love Chris. I've got to love Chris. That guy told me I've got to love Chris. Now, what are you doing? Let me go shout you a coffee. Let me shout you that shared lunch. That was a great idea, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll pay for the 10. No, you can pay for the 10 bucks and we'll share it again. <laughs> the goal would be to walk together with Chris to get to know him. And if I know him in the way he wants to be known in me, my natural outcome will be to love that man as Christ loves me and God. It's really simple. It's deep though. Very deep. But whoever keeps his word in him, the truth has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Oof. Okay. Where's that scripture I wrote down? John 15, 8. Just to throw a scripture in. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Okay. Different part of the Bible, same thing. By this, we know that we are in him. By what? If we are loving one another, these commandments are in us, and, and the commandments are going to, work, walk, uh, going to work in us, then you'll bear much fruit, proving to be my disciples. Verse 6, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he, Christ, walked we talked about expectations last week 
how I said that Jesus sets the bar. None of us do. We don't determine or decide what or who truth is, do we? The problem is we do. Do you realize that? We actually determine what truth is to make our lives comfortable. But you'll never be free in that truth. And so you're selling yourself short because he defines truth and he says my truth makes you free. His truth says perfect love casts out all fear. He says do not be anxious for anything. So if I'm anxious for things, then there's a process that I need to go on where my life would actually step into the realm of the reality that says, don't be anxious for anything. Are you with me? You'll be able to give testimony and go, he set me free from the fear of man. He set me free from the fear of money, the loss of money. He set me free. And so over a process, because you're being made ready, you're then able to be the demonstration of the truth. And your life matches the truth. And you will experience the life of that truth within you, which just continues to boil up and up and up, where we become a river of living water. It's very simple. It's very deep. And it requires a letting go. Of what? Of your life. Ah, maybe that's why we're not necessarily in the fullness. Just saying. I'm preaching to me. Okay, we're all in this together, aren't we? Because we're all sinners, aren't we? But we're all born again, maybe, hopefully, or whatever. We're on the journey of that. And we've all got the Spirit and we want to become mature sons, don't we? Okay. So we've got to preach it as it is so we don't get hoodwinked and we don't think we're someone where we're not. Okay. Uh, 1 John 3.10. 1 John 3.10. Someone's trying to call me. Don't know who that is. <laughs> I got it wrong. Oh. <laughs> 1 John 3.10. Okay, here we go. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. So righteousness is a righteous life lived out upon the earth, being defined and built through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God cleanses us with his blood, step one, and then says, work out your salvation through the spirit and truth so you're able to live a life of righteousness, not trying to make yourself holy all over again, a mature life. So then you're able to be the demonstration of the realm that Jesus lived from. See, we pray this prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And I don't think, well, let me rephrase that. Do we actually know what we've just prayed? Good. So do you know what you're praying when you pray that? Because you're praying something. Not just heal people. Not just turn up in signs and wonders like we've preached it is. You're praying, Father, come into my heart and my mind and completely transform me so the realm in which your son came from lives in me. So I think, see, hear, smell, act, demonstrate the realm, kingdom come, because the kingdom is within us. We keep preaching, telling everybody, the kingdom is when you set up a dentistry in Africa, fix teeth, lead people to Jesus, the kingdom came. That's the start of repentance. And that's in a great act. But the full work of the kingdom is the transformation of you and I from an internal, invisible place where the kingdom is established in us and then the king of the kingdom is going to return with those that went through the work to establish his kingdom on the earth, literally. That's why it's about maturity so you're allowing the truth to set you free and build you up so you're fully able to not fall short of the commandments but to be living them out. That's why he paid with his life so it's fully possible to be able to do it. Otherwise, let's all go home. We're all saved. 
If we just justify, what are we all doing here? First ticket out of here, Jack, sign me up, gone. What would be the point just to have kids and get married and make money and go on parties and holidays? Is that the, the big as our God is? Is that it? This is a God that goes, and there's light. This is a God that goes, I, no, I almost said something there. Well done, Greg. See, that's my sanctification working out there. That almost came out my mouth. Rain that back in. This is the God that died and rose again. Do you think he's dreaming of a reality with us that lasts for eternity? And eternity is a mighty long time. And yet we limit it to having a white picket fence with the marriage, with some kids, with a career, with a nice little holiday package every year. And we live for that reality. And he says, that's first seek first thy empire. I said, seek first my kingdom. Allow my kingdom to define your children. Allow my kingdom. To, what's the kingdom again? The internal, invisible transformation of your heart and mind. So you think and act like me. So when you get married, you already have the established kingdom within you. So this thing no longer binds you. We are trying to squeeze the life out of your partner to fulfill you. No, you're living from this realm and you're going, so let's walk this out together and let's be free. So when you get children, they're not smothering you and you smothering them and now someone asks you to do, no, I can't do that because I'm so engrossed. You know, you can be in bondage to all this stuff and it's actually of him, but it becomes a burden, not a blessing. Why? Because the kingdom is not established in the heart and mind of the church. So you're actually thinking, acting like the kingdom of the world. None of that's in the notes. 1 John 2, no, I've read that out. 3.10. Read a bit of that love one. Come down to 14. Okay, so sorry, this is 1 John 3.14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. See, the point I'm going to make is, you can hear love. Love God, love the brethren is the most important thing on the planet. 16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the lost world. Politicians? Well, yes. But who first? Ah, the brethren. There it is again. See, are we strangers in this place or are we family? No, it's that. Look beside you and go, do I know that person? Have I ever spoken to them before? Probably been here three years like me and I still don't even know who they are. Just strangers that come and sit on seats. Don't even say hi. Weird family, that. Come around to my place and you sat there for three years and I never said hi, you'd walk. That wasn't an invite, by the way. <laughs> Told you I'm on sanctification process. <laughs> We're all in this together. We're just going to be honest and real. Take all the crap off and say, yeah, it's my true heart. But it's all right because this is who I want to be. And this is who God's going to make me to ready. But, you know, I've got to make a decision, don't I? I've got to make a commitment to that. I've got to choose to go that way. Not just continue to sit going this way. No, no, there's no apathy about following Christ. It's active. Okay, so uh, verse 14, uh, sorry, 18. Same thing, 1 John three eighteen. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. <laughs> we were talking about this this morning on the way in in the car. And I was talking to the girls. and My heartbeat, my prayer for my two girls is God would reveal himself in them. And that's what we pray pretty much every night. And we were talking about what does it mean to actually love him? And I actually said to Madeline, I said, so 
what's one of the ways in which God, what's, what's, it, what's God given us to help us get to know? You know, and it was all silent for a minute. And, oh, and then it clicked. The Bible, Dad. That's right, sweetheart. So, and Lily's in the back, you know. And um, how often do you read it? Oh. oh, not that often. I said, so, do you think we should be reading it more? Not just reading it for a book of information, but because if God's given it to us as a way of get to know him, and you're not reading it, that, you're not going to get to know him. I think it's just one way. Oh, but I love him. Well, yeah, that's easy to say, Maddie. But right now, you're actually saying another thing, really, because I said if you're truly loved, then you want to spend more time with him. And you'd, even if it's just a couple of words, she's looking at me. She says, yeah, you're right. You see, it's easy to say stuff. It's another thing to live it out and be the demonstration of it. But the catch is, we need him to be the demonstration of it. So we're in a rock and a hard place, aren't we? Just where God would want us. So we can't run off and try and change the planet for Jesus in our own strength. But we try. We try and control our own lives. We try and hold on and get our little everything balanced out and I think it was Clay that spoke, said, what's balance? We have to live in the tension of the kingdom. And the kingdom is being established within us. So it's a tension to go to Cambodia and leave your wife for two or three weeks and your children. But you have to create a home where you can do that, where both parties understand the importance of the kingdom and what's being at work because the kingdom is being established and built in the hearts and minds of everybody at home. So everyone at home is able to release others into their calling and those that are away in Cambodia know that when they come back, they better invest into those that have been at home. So everybody's happy. But ultimately, you're establishing and hoping and praying that the kingdom of God is being established in the hearts and the minds of everybody at home, not the kingdom of the world and empire building. Because when the call comes, there's too much over this side to let go of, and I just don't have any time. Because I've got this, and I'm juggling everything, but this is the call of God calling, and this is the truth that can actually repel you away from a reality that's for you, because the thought and the fear of letting all that go is too much. Maybe because your identity's in it. Maybe because your purpose is in it, and it's not truly in Him. Maybe because your life is actually not built on Christ, but it's built on everything but Christ. So when Christ calls, sorry, nobody home. Try the next house. And He will, and then He'll come back. Because he loves you so much, and he'll knock again. Nobody home. Try the next house. Okay. And come back. And he'll play that game because he's got umpteen time. Because he's outside of time. I stand on the door and knock of your heart and will you let me in? Revelation 3, 21. <laughs> or 17, 18, somewhere in there. <laughs> Definitely Revelation 3. That's what the whole thing's about. Why? Why? Because there is a realm and a reality that I want you to come in to start experiencing in your life, not in someone else's life, but your life. I died and I rose again for you, for you, for you. Accept that. Receive it, maybe. Not maybe, sorry, receive it. I find it hard to receive stuff that's free. Um, 
1 John 4, 7. Beloved. That's how you start. Beloved. You could put a number of words in there. The sons that I love the most. The people that I died for. I'm cherished. I'm just all consumed with. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who who loves is born of God and knows God. Once again, here we go. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. So through the loving of one another, the love of God is manifested in us. Probably why it's a commandment and a work will be done. Verse 11 same chapter. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Do you know when we love one another like Christ loves, people see God. You want people to see God through this community? It'll cost you your life. So be careful how you answer that. I pray that they would be one. Why? So a world would look and know that Jesus Christ was sent for them. There is a dimension in the spirit in us, the kingdom, where we are able to love one another like Christ loved us. And people who have not seen God in the physical would see God operating through the love coming out of God's vessel. That's truly phenomenal. Man, God paints pictures and he paints them vast. They're not these little poxy little pictures. He dreams dreams and he sprays them in the heavens and he declares the universe and the galaxies and then he says, right, this is phenomenal. But you know what? I've got a more phenomenal purpose for my people and even the angels aren't going to figure it out. Who have we been called to become and to live from to be the demonstration of truth on the earth? This is the gospel. This is the message of life. This is the message of hope. Now, you may not have realized that when you prayed your prayer and invited him in, but that's what was on offer. And more and more as we journey as a community and unpack the fullness of this book, which really is filing cabinets, even though it fits in a thousand something page and fits nicely in the palm of my hand, the word of God, the living word of God was sent to pierce every man's heart every woman's heart and to fill us with a powerful dynamic of truth which would literally catapult you and I from this poxy reality into the fullness of life. Woo! Can I get an amen? If I was in a black church right now, man, I'd be getting a yeah, man, preacher brother! Woo! I remember we had Wayne Cheney here. 18 of his crew stood up and they were like, yeah, dude! And all else, we were like, What's landed out of LA? <laughs> um, let me read you 1 John 4 16. Oh, I just did. Oh, let me continue with that. Verse 17. By this, love is perfected with us. Listen to this. So we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Phenomenal. So if this love is being produced, you know what it does? It produces a confidence in you that you, as you go to the judgment seat, have absolute assurance and confidence because of the life that was demonstrated. You know, Paul was able to say he saw that he saw into the eternal realm. He was so confident of what he was receiving. He said, I want to go. He said, it's more beneficial for me if I stay. It's more beneficial for you if I stay and I'm torn between going. He was so confident because of what he was living out that he said, oh, I'm in a tension, not in a balance. I'm in a tension. How confident are you in Christ? How confident are we? Would you want to go? I asked that question last week. 
Are you going to go confidently before the judgment, knowing Him, knowing that you've lived a life here by Him calling it and leading it, but you know that you know that you know, and so it creates a confidence. Now, I know this realm that I'm speaking of today, it's not lofty. It's not abstract. It's the truth, and it's possible, but it is pretty big. Once again, why? Because we worship a little God? No, because we worship this massive God that when he speaks, stars come into being. When he says this, vegetation comes out of the ground, and six days was all it took to go bang. And on the seventh day, he looked and said, mate, we've done a great job. It's time for a break. He didn't really need one, by the way. I don't think. It's like us. You live from rest. 24-7. It's the realm you live from. You can have seven days off and not be in it. You can do nothing and be not at rest. And you can be fully actively busy and be at complete rest. That's God's position. That was Jesus' position. But that's a position of the Spirit again. And our little minds tries to figure out the realm of the Spirit and we end up in funny land. But we think it's the real land. We've got no life of funny land. Let me try and lead others there. And it's just one boring party. Okay. Um, 1 John 4.21 In this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should also love his brother also. 5.2 By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burden sin. So going to Cambodia for two weeks, going to be back. I'm going to do a whole series on why the great commandment is the great commandment. And I don't know how long it's going to take me to release this stuff, but we're going to look at that, why the great commandment is actually the great commandment. Because when you read those scriptures, you can't get away from this word commandment, commandments. And it's the obeying of the commandments that has me living from this realm. But that's not just ticking boxes. Because we're good at ticking boxes. So you can do the commandments and not have the love of God in you. Correct? So it's not just about doing the command. What is contained within the commandments that holds the power of God? That actually catapults you to be able to now, from within you, be able to demonstrate a realm. You see, there were these two tablets that were put into a box. 2 hunks of stone, some writings put in the box. And when the, um, I think it was the Philistines, just go with me, I think it was the Philistines when they got the, the Ark of the Covenant, they started breaking out in plagues. Tell me if it's wrong, it's not the Philistines, but it's someone else. And all these plagues, and what are we going to do? We're going to send it back. Okay, that's a great idea, okay. And we're going to take a couple of cows, female cows, that have just given birth. So we're going to attach this to the cart to the cows, and then we're going to send them off. And if it goes, we know it's right, and you know we'll hopefully get rid of these boils. So I don't know about you guys, but ladies, if you gave birth to a child, and straight after the birth of a child, someone came in and said, I'm going to take that child. From you. And you ain't going to see her again. How many of us would go, no, you're not, and get up and fight for the life of that child? So, what's on these two stones? Because these two stones are sitting inside a box that overrides, it overrides the natural to want to fight and defend and live for the child you just had. You could say it's an animal, animal instinct. You can see it, an animal when it's young, it's protective. It'll die like us. 
So these two tablets that are just a hunk of bit of rock that have some writing on them, aren't they? Sit in a box and it sends it off as the power to override the natural response of two cows that have just given birth. If you can hear what I'm saying, no, no, no. There wasn't just two tablets sitting on a cows. What's contained within the commandments that has the power and the life of the spirit that will trump the natural desire? What is it about the commandments that has so much oomph and power that it comes when you can hear it and it does such a work that it will overcome and you will let go of what you love that's not maybe him, release that, that's the natural desire, and then turn and move towards him. What actually is in the commandments? Because this tells me it births love. And then we're able to then be the demonstration and walk in the manner in which Jesus walked his life. That is so much more than just keeping two or ten. And the ten being infused into the two, isn't it? So once again, that sets the bar and the standard of what we are to aspire to live up to, yes? Knowing that none of us can do it in our own strength, and needing the power that is found in the Holy Spirit to be able to live this, we'd probably say radical life, but actually it's normal Christianity. See, we see it as radical. He says, this is what it means to follow me. This is why when the church started, you see men and women laying their life down for a lie, for a half-truth, for knowing about him. No, no, no. Laying their life down because they had discovered a reality, the spirit the truth will set you free. They discovered that realm. It was living in them. It was coming out of them. And it was defining every decision and choice they would make. So then you saw this true, authentic community of God on the earth that the Roman Empire couldn't stop because it was motivated by what? Weaponry and armory and submachine guns? Trying to hold on to their life? No, no. Through love. See, love conquers all. No one can resist him. No one can. If you meet him, it's too powerful. It brings you to your knees. I've never found anything. I can't even get the words to describe how much I love him because of the reality he's put in me. She doesn't even come close. And she has never been created to come close. My children don't even stack up. They're not even in the same picture. And they were never supposed to be. They're never supposed to compete for dad's love. My wife has never been created to compete for my love. And vice versa. Him. And then... I'll show you how to love her with a love that's not your son. My love. And as you love her with that love, because now you're able to demonstrate a realm of the Spirit, not the flesh, the Spirit, because it's a love of the Spirit, guess what her natural response will be? To submit and align herself to you. See, there's two things that build this whole kingdom, and it's love and submission. And God said, you know where it starts? It starts within me and you, son. You need to submit to me, and I will love you. I will love you unconditionally as you surrender and submit to me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be there when you manifest, when you spit, when you spew up when you say you're going to do something and you never do, my love will never leave you. This is how incredible, it doesn't matter if you look at porn, doesn't matter whether you cheat, doesn't matter whether you do A, B, C, there will be consequences for those things. But my love 
will never leave. My love covers your sin. We've made it all about the wrong flipping stuff. We've made sin the thing instead of love. So he says this, I will love you and your role is to surrender to me. That is number one environment. The second environment I give you for transformation is a marriage. And some in that, the responsibility is on you greater than it is on Danielle to love her like I've demonstrated my love for you. And for that love to come in and through you to her. Why? Because I'm still submitting and surrendering myself to him. So the flow can happen. And when she experiences that love, my love, through you, it's going to floor her. And everything that's in her that wants to manifest and kick off because the truth will set you free and it might repel you, that love better be there because it'll wash over her and wash over her as she comes into an alignment, like you're coming into an alignment. So son, like you're being made ready, she's going to be made ready. And you're going to have something that you've never dreamed of or even known because you didn't even think it was about that. You thought it was about having heaps of sex, <laughs> having a life together, having kids. See, come on, Greg, I'm way beyond that. I'm building something of an eternal value in you and through you. And so together, the flesh, the two, will become one of spirit. And then guess what happens? Then you start having children. And then the role is to bring the children into this realm. So guess what? You're going to have to love them as well, son, as they submit and surrender to you and your wife. And she's going to have to love the kids with the love that's now in her of the father as they submit and surrender. And then they're loved unconditionally like you're continuing to be loved unconditionally. So when they stuff up and mess up and do everything, guess what? Dad and mum love. Always believing, always hoping. Why? Because the two are becoming one. What a beautiful environment home to be in, isn't it? Then it spins out to 12. Does the pattern sound familiar? Starting from where? Reaching the end of the world? No, it's not. It starts right, right here with me and you and then me and you and this lady that I've put you with and your children, and your twelve. I was so preoccupied with going to reach a lost world that I was losing people on the process. What about your wife? Oh, it's too hard. We'll get over it. Because it's my environment. She don't listen. No, you don't listen to her. Get over it. It's my environment. My truth. Set you free. You want to be made free? Yeah. You defining it? No. Who is? Me. Get over it. Seek me and you'll be able to. Come into this realm, you'll be able to do it. My burden's in it's light. See, if it's heavy, it's because you're trying to do it. That's why it's my message to every senior leader. If it's heavy, you're doing it. They don't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it five years ago either. I'm laying my life down. It's what are you doing? It's not... Nah, you're playing games. <laughs> what? I don't know what you're doing, but you're running around exhausting a lot of energy, but you're not doing too much. It's hard, eh? Take that personally. Truth will set you free. Greg, you're in freedom? Well, yeah, to a measure. Well, you're carrying a lot. Come to me. Learn from me. So then you have this 12 thing going on. And you're trying to demonstrate something within a discipleship environment. Where love and submission are the same thing. Where people are loving and submitting to one another. What's happening when that's happening? Well, everybody is being made ready for the preparation to be able to demonstrate love for an eternal purpose called a marriage covenant and a wedding. But is everybody in the process or is everyone turning up just to get what they want? That's called a worldly marriage. I got married to get from you and you're not delivering, so I'm off to the next one. 
Oh, they don't look after me either, so I'm going to the next one. Man, this life group thing sucks. Nobody cares. Oh, okay. And then, what's the next environment? So, you tracking with me, eh? One-on-one, marriage, children, smaller group. What's next? <laughs> Welcome to the party. You know what God said to me? He said, Greg, do you see true oneness in the community? And I said, no. He said, do you know why? I said, why? He said, because it's not a marriages. Do you see true oneness in the mass, in the body? I said, no, not really. Not spirit-led oneness. I see a lot of conformity, but not spirit-led oneness through love and submission. He said, I said, why? He said, because it's not in most marriages. So the challenge is, husbands, are we discipling our wives? You spend time together. You pray. You engage. Do you discuss? Or are we too busy? And wives, are you in discipleship with your husbands? Are you submitting and aligning yourself? And if your husband's not, are you actually being the one that actually stirs that up as well? Going to. See, if we'll actually model this and live it, there's a promise behind it. That's why it's so important. He, he sung it. He doesn't break promises. He's the promise keeper of the promises. There's a purpose and a point why love is the greatest. I still haven't asked the question, but I think I am. And so there's the challenge, isn't it? For us. He sets the bar. It's a high bar. He says, you'll know my disciples by the way they love one another. And that's where the spirit realm is within them coming out because it's not just going and taking someone cookies and saying, I love you. That's an awesome act, but that's not what I'm talking about. That may be an act from the realm I'm talking about, which is awesome. But just doing acts of love and kindness doesn't mean that's the love that I'm referring to. And I'll talk more when I come back. But you'll know you'll have this love when it's pressed. That's how you really know if it's being formed. When someone presses you in a way you don't like being pressed. And I'm speaking to me. You've got to walk through this. So we're able to walk in the manner in which you walk, amen? lot to think about, eh? Father, Lord, we thank you that you are truth and you set the bar. I thank you that you set it high. And I thank you, Lord, that you have come down and made that way possible. So, Lord, we were absolutely and completely, uh, just completely helpless. And so you came from your reality, rose, you died and rose again, and then said, now I'm sending my Holy Spirit and the power of my life to experience and know a resurrected life. So although that bar is high, it is attainable and fully possible through faith. Hence, Paul, the life I live, I live by faith, a belief, a knowing you, and a submission and a surrender to you. So Father, today as a community, I pray, Lord, that what's been shared will go deep. And I pray we wouldn't just leave it here, but we would be challenged to our core to seek you. That you would awaken us if we're in slumber, if we're empire building. I pray you would awaken us to the fullness. And I pray this truth would not repel us, but it would draw us to you. And so, Father, I pray we would hear see and understand through the Spirit, through faith, and allow the enormity of what we've heard to, if we're prideful, smash that and turn to you, aside to you, and ask questions of you so we are able to come into more and more 
and be the demonstration. And if we're demonstrating a lot today, Lord, thank you. I pray for more of that reality. I thank you that you're the God of abundance and you pour out abundantly into and already have our hearts and minds. So unlock what is there through the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name above all names, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. So maybe do shout someone the $10 platter. Enjoy lunch. Dialogue what you've heard. Dialogue in life groups, discipleship groups. And um, have fun. Passion in the pain. 